Hi, everybody. My name is Greg Katz, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of WeRSC.com's Inside the Trojans Huddle, where we tell it like it is. Friends, Inside the Trojans Huddle is a game-like panel discussion that is posted each Tuesday during the season. The huddle features WeRSC columnists, staff writers, and historians. We first start off with the pregame show, where we introduce our panel members for this edition of Inside the Trojans Huddle. Now let's meet Tuesday's panelists, a WeRSC columnist who writes, WeRSC.com's The Monday Morass, Yay or Nay, and Sunday Takeaways, in addition to regular season football and basketball reports. He also hosts his own podcast show entitled Locked On USC. That's Mark Culkin, the editor-in-chief of WeRSC.com, columnist, national recruiting guru, producer, and moderator of WeRSC's Four Downs and Five Things video shows, a graduate of USC. That's Eric McKinney, a former William Jewell College defensive back and WeRSC columnist who writes the popular WeRSC.com column Musings with Arledge and Musings with Arledge solo video edition, graduate of the USC Law School, Chris Arledge, and a weekly WeRSC columnist who writes Fridays, the obvious, not so obvious, from the press box, IMHO Sunday, the WeRSC.com travel guide, an active member of the Football Writers Association of America, your moderator and producer of Inside the Trojan Subtle, that's me, Greg Katz. Folks, if you enjoy WeRSC.com's Inside the Trojan Subtle, we thank you and strongly encourage those of you watching on sites like YouTube to click on the like and rub the subscriber buttons. It's greatly valued, appreciated, and it is free. You can also listen to Inside the Trojan Subtle on most available podcast sites. And friends, speaking of WeRSC.com, we're offering first-time subscribers unlimited premium access for just $1 for one month or just $54.99 for the year. If you're not already a full-time premium subscriber, you won't want to miss the USC football website that really does tell it like it is. <laughs> Panel, we kick off the first quarter of the huddle with a review of the Trojans' narrow 48-41 victory over the Colorado Buffaloes last Saturday morning in Boulder, Colorado, in front of uh, uh, a sellout crowd at Folsom Field and a national television audience on Fox. Looking at this week's latest AP Top 25, the narrow win over Deion Sanders' Colorado team dropped the Trojans to number nine in the country, while upcoming USC Pac-12 opponents Washington remained at number seven. Oregon's now at number eight. Utah dropped to number 18 without their stand-up quarterback, Cameron Rising, who still has not played this season. And Notre Dame is back at number 10. So, panel, here we go. There's no mixing around it. We tell it like it is here. Your overall thoughts and impressions of USC-Colorado game, who and what stood out for you on offense, defense, and special teams, what was the key to the game, and I guess we can throw this one in, is this a time to be panicked or really concerned? We'll start off with our usual leadoff hitter, Mark Culkin. Have at it, buddy. So, first off, I don't panic. Um, That's just not who I am. Although I, I will show a lot of concern. We are there. We are at that stage. Um, I, I don't think there's any way to spin it or sugarcoat it. Lincoln Riley, he made his choice. He he stuck with Alex Grinch, and everyone was anticipating to see a, some improvement as the season went along, especially you know when you had all the uh, the players that came in via the transfer portal that was supposed to improve the depth. So that should really show itself when you're playing on the road. And for the last, these last two weeks, it, it hasn't shown itself uh, at least consistently. On offense, um, 
Caleb Williams is actually a better passing quarterback, and I don't have the stats to back it up, but he looks a lot better when he's in his scramble mode rather than sitting in the pocket. Anytime he starts to move around, it generally ends in a a big play or if not a touchdown. It happened again against Colorado. But that starts to concern me a little bit that, you know, unless he's doing a really quick, short screen pass, the passing game is big play or nothing right now. Um, it's it's hard. They're, they're not finding their rhythm. Caleb wants to go fast, then they slow down. All of a sudden, you're 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 snapping the ball quickly after a first down. The next down, you're looking to the sideline and you're snapping the ball. You know, with three four seconds left on the play clock. So it's the inconsistency. I'm, I'm not seeing a a well oiled machine, and I get it. They're playing on the road, but um, again. It felt like they abandoned the running the running game. You're up 41 to 14 with six minutes left in the third quarter. This would be an ideal time to start using clock. Something that really stood out is this is the first fourth quarter um, where USC's first team didn't score a point, at least the first team offense. And I, I know they missed a field goal, but that that really stood out that this team could not find a way to to make it happen when they needed to, especially when the defense, I don't know, were they gassed? I, I guess that's the best way to describe a team that just forgot how to tackle. They were credited with, what, 18 missed tackles, according to PFF. Um, more blown coverages. We we talk about, or Lincoln Riley talks about wanting to use the, the, the inside linebackers and rotating them in. Two, three linebackers played. Four played, the best one played the least, and one didn't play at all. So, again, where is Shane Lee? Um, I, I'm sure they meant to play him. And, again, if the best best version of USC's defense is with Eric Gentry on the field, why is he only playing nine snaps at linebacker? He was obviously healthy enough to be out there for the block punt, which was great on special teams. But, you know, this this game, it felt like USC was, all right, we're up 41 to 14. The offense decided to go to sleep. At the same time, the defense decided we're not needed much and we're just going to revert back to our 2022 version. And special teams was making a play, missing a field goal, muffing a snap on an extra point. And fortunately, they found themselves to recover an onside kick. So that was my takeaway from this game. Eric McKinney? This is the Dennis Green, we are who we <laughs> thought we are, right? I mean, to, to change that a little bit. Um, we came into the season saying, this offense is going to score a ton of points. This is the fifth straight game that they've gone over 40 points. The 2005 USC team did not do that. This offense is the number one scoring offense uh, in the country, they move the ball at will for big, huge chunks of the game. The concern on offense is the last two weeks, the third down conversions, and then the the real inability to close the game out in this one. And and Lincoln Riley said, you know, I didn't I didn't call the run game great. And and if you go back and look, the offensive line kind of sure seems like it was what it looked like on first first watch during the game where uh the running lanes just weren't massive like there there were some and and USC probably could have done a better job 
uh, in the running game. But ultimately, any time spent talking about the offense is kind of a waste at this point. Defensively is clearly the concern. And again, we are what we may maybe feared it would be coming into the season where it's just a ton of the, the same issues as last year. And I pause a little bit because Lincoln Riley was right adamant that it doesn't look the same as last year. And and I guess there's probably a, a coaching eye in there that, you know, no, we're doing this differently now and, and it's not this kind of stuff. But what we're talking about is the end result of giving up a ton of points and a ton of chunk yards. It doesn't matter how they do it, right? It doesn't matter if it's, oh, it's it's missed tackles this time and not missed assignments like it was last time. And it's not not filling the run lane. It's this. It, none of that matters. What matters is the end result of you allowed 41 points and 564 yards of offense and it does feel like every week there's a oh but it but it was just this but it was just this I do think there's something if you want to say the the uh the altitude playing there and then the early morning start I don't really care if you say you're ready for it it's going to catch up at some point right that's not something you're used to doing Colorado has now done it three times getting that up to start is going to wear on you a little bit so again it's not an excuse. It's not a, it's not that because now you're just tacking them on one after the other each week. So we are where we are, right? I mean, it's, this is what you, what you didn't want to see from the defense coming in. I don't think it's a huge shock that we're here. They also haven't lost to Notre Dame. They haven't lost to Oregon. They haven't lost to Washington at this point. And so you don't you don't chalk those up yet. They're going to go play those games and, and you see what you can do. Uh, it's this game was the first time where it really hammered in that you're worried at this point about this maybe showing up and those games being much more of a struggle uh, than maybe you thought. Because none of these games, none of these first games, and, and you feel bad saying it because the, the players played and everyone was out there and the stats are the stats and, and everybody won those games. But these weren't games where we were going to, you know, oh, how how did this play turn this game? These were games that you just, you chalk up these wins and you go. And it's not easy. I mean, it's not easy to start 5-0. and Lincoln Riley's right about that. It's not easy to go win on the road. USC does not do that a lot. 5-0 and starts are not something that that have, there have been a ton of uh, in the last few years for USC. They've done it twice now. So I think you can be happy that you have, the wins but there's nothing so far that makes you think that yeah usc is gonna run through the second half of the schedule and again we sat here at the at the beginning of the year thinking that was gonna be that was gonna be tough um so you've got issues some issues on offense way more on defense special teams you lost four points uh not not hit an extra point and and not hitting a field goal so it's not as if you know, you're, you're totally locked up there. Um, five and oh, you, you go ahead and, and celebrate that. Uh, it would be surprising if a lot of these defensive issues are fixed though, in, in the coming weeks. Chris, we're ready for you. There's so much that I want to say that the hard part is going to be staying focused and not using profanity. 
All right. Let's start with, with this. That in mind. Let's start with this. What <laughs> makes a great offensive coordinator? A great offensive coordinator is usually a guy who finds a way through scheme and play calling to get his good athletes in a favorable matchup with uh, with athletes on the other team that can't handle that assignment, right? You think about it, like in the old days where, where Switzer and Oklahoma run on the triple option, why the triple option out of the wishbone? Because you can set it up where one mistake by one defensive guy can mean a touchdown from anywhere on the field. That's exactly what Chip Kelly was doing with his Oregon offenses. That was the that was the triple option just in a different setup, right? That's the name of the game. Lincoln Riley is great at getting his guys in space in favorable matchups where one missed tackle, where one slip can be a touchdown. Alex Grinch is equally great at setting that up for the other team's offensive coordinators. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it in my life. It's, it's stunning to watch. And you know what? Lincoln Riley's right. It's not like last year. Because last year I watched the games and I thought, USC doesn't have any dudes on this defense. They got Thule. He can play. But they don't have much. They just don't have much talent. You know what? That's not true this year. USC has plenty of talent to be a good defense. Riley said in the offseason, well, you can't hide the front seven. Okay, but you know what? That front four, at least, those guys are pretty good. And those linebackers, Eric Gentry, Mason Paul, these are guys that have produced in the past. Here's the problem. Alex Grinch is consistently putting his guys in a position to fail over and over and over again. They don't know what they're doing. They're running around lost. And sometimes just by alignment, we lose. It's remarkable how often I see the, the offense set up and I look at our defensive linemen and say, well, I hope they don't run to the left-hand side because we literally don't have any guys there. And then they'll <laughs> run and pick up 10 yards. Colorado hasn't run the ball all year. They're one of the worst rushing teams in the country. They ran for almost 200 yards. Is that because Colorado's offensive linemen suddenly became maulers and, and they come out like Nebraska in 1995 and they're just driving – Bear Alexander off the line of scrimmage? Is that how it happened? No. It happened because most of the time USC can't get lined up in a defense where they can actually play against the run. It happens all the time. Now, the most spectacular incident, of course, was on the goal line. When Colorado comes up in that unbalanced set, you probably remember this, they have a center, a tight end to his left, every other offensive lineman on the right and an offensive lineman in the backfield, and a defensive lineman in the backfield, all on the right-hand side. And you know that USC was evenly divided between guys on the left hand on the left side of the ball and the right side of the ball. And on the right side of the ball, they have a defensive lineman that engages the that engages a center, another defensive lineman that engages the guard, and then they have three defensive backs and a freshman stand-up edge guy that are supposed to deal with, I think it was six big bodies. It was the dumbest thing I'd ever seen. And what's remarkable is Braylon Shelby still almost blew up that play. It was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And Lincoln Riley is a fantastic coach. I'm thrilled to death that we have Lincoln Riley at USC. And please don't misinterpret anything I'm about to say. 
But how Lincoln Riley could watch that setup on the goal line and not call a timeout is shocking. It was absolute coaching malpractice. And he has the master of coaching malpractice running his defense. I wrote an I wrote two articles this week. I'm too lazy to write two articles. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> because the more I thought about, the more frustrated I got. One of them, I just analyzed the first three touchdowns. I'm just going to talk about one of those plays because I don't want to talk about all of them. It's always the same nonsense. Colorado's first touchdown was scored when USC manned up across the secondary and, and, and had no deep coverage, okay? Kalen Bullock was not covering anybody on that play. Kalen Bullock was standing about 11 yards off the line of scrimmage in the middle of the field. He did not move. All right? Colorado was in max protect. They literally had the tight end and the running back back in pass protection. Or, uh, and so they had seven blockers against four USC rushers. USC still almost got the sack because Dejon Benton played his butt off the other day and is a really good football player who probably needs more snaps. And so here's my question. How in the world can you put Bryson Shaw on a slot receiver, tell him to man up with that guy, and then not blitz, and not provide any deep help for him. How can you do that? This is coaching malpractice of the highest order. And don't tell me it's not. All of you out there who only want to hear positive things, and you're going to say in the comments, you guys are panicking, you're not USC fans, you should root for somebody else. Go prove me wrong. Go prove me wrong. How do you do that? Rice and Shaw cannot cover a slot receiver all over the field without deep help unless you're getting immediate pressure on the quarterback. He can't. It's not his fault. And he shouldn't have to sit there afterwards and take the blame. No, no, no. It's not Alex Grinch's fault. It's me and, and my teammates. We're not getting the job done. Yeah, you're right. You didn't get the job done because a coach gave you an asinine assignment that you no way in the world can you do that. And by the way, if you think I'm being too harsh on Grinch, let me ask you a question, USC fans. If you see the other team's strong safety lined up on any of USC slot receivers, I don't care which one you pick. Mario Williams, Zachariah Branch, Taj Washington, I don't care. If there is a safety on him and there's no deep help and you know that the defense isn't going to get pressure on the quarterback, you might as well tell uh, you might as well tell Traveler to get going, right? Because you can't it is a ridiculously unfavorable matchup for the defense. Always Offensive coordinators work hard to scheme just that sort of setup. And Alex Grinch says, don't bother. You don't have to. Just line up with four wide, and I will set that up for you. I will take maybe the best free safety in college football, and I won't have him cover deep. In fact, I won't have him cover anybody. He'll be in some sort of weird robber coverage standing there 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage just watching. That's what I'll do. And I won't blitz. You'll have max protection, I'll rush four. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I don't want to talk about all the rest of the plays. They're all equally infuriating. The best thing USC could do right now, and they're not going to fire Alex Grinch right now. Okay, I'm not going to say that. The best thing they could do is tell Grinch, you know what, just stay home. Collect your paycheck, but stay home. We'll just run the base defense 
every down. Because if they did that, USC would at least know what they're doing on defense. And right now they don't. It's infuriating. That's all I have. That's all I have to say. I have more. How do you you really feel about it, Chris? (laughs) You know, unfortunately, all three of you guys are right on. You really are. I mean, I'll keep mine short here, but one, offensively, come on. We knew what they were going to be. Two, they didn't score in the fourth quarter. Three, I don't care what anybody tells me, you get up that early in the morning uh, and the high altitude, isn't it amazing that in the fourth quarter, everything really starts to uh, drag a little bit. Uh, I don't like to hear comments like, uh, you know, if you knew what, if you really knew what it was like to be a coach, you know, some of us have been a coach, like I was for 27 years, and I don't want to hear comments about, well, well you know, you wear, wear a win. Look, you don't even have to be a coach to see what's going on. I would much rather see them just get into a, well, uh, old school, I guess you could say, in, the, you know, a basic defense where uh, less responsibility. Too many times, SC on defense, in my opinion, uh, plays defense on itself. Uh, coaches tend to do that sometimes. They play defense on the so they try to outthink the other guy. They try to be the chess master, uh, and they think they're playing against the chess player. But um, look, the five and zero start uh, is 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 nice. But you know, if you use basketball, a lot of coaches uh, they pile on preseason games, non conference games with gimme wins. So that you have a, a big record, uh, you know, USC, I, you know, obviously Colorado was the best team they played. Uh, and I am, I'm not pushing the panic button. I just want to know where it's located only because we all know what's coming. If you've done any work and looking at these teams that SC is going to play, they are all high powered. Uh, I would say that unless somebody proves me wrong, the defenses I've seen are pretty good defenses. They seem to, actually know what they're doing. Uh, and I I am really concerned about it. In fact, I'll go as far as to say I'm concerned about Arizona a little bit, uh, depending on who's quarterbacking. Uh, it That could be a, a strange game coming up Saturday. But we could talk about this forever, uh, and we don't want to do that. I was going to talk about what can be done or fixed or adjusted. So, panel, forgive me. We're going to skip over that question. I think a lot of you touched on it. So let's talk about fans. Have you ever been caught in a last-minute event ticket frenzy? The stress, uncertainty, it's crunch time. You don't need it. But guess what? There's a game-changing solution. It's called game time. Imagine this. Effortless ticket buying for all your favorite sports, music, comedy, theater events. No more frantic searches. Game time is your ultimate ticket, buddy. That sounds good to me. Want perks? Well, how about incredible deals on last-minute tickets and a rock-solid best price guarantee? Say goodbye to ticket anxiety and hello to the sheer joy of being in the moment. The Trojans return home this week against the Arizona Wildcats. Game time has tickets for as low as $56. If you're planning to go on the road with the Trojans for the Notre Dame weekender and need tickets, you might want to check out the inventory from game time. And aside from USC tickets, you can also head to game time for Dodgers NLDS playoff tickets, Angels, Rams, Chargers, and tickets to all your favorite LA teams. And don't forget the concerts as well. Flash deals, easy access, seat view images, unbeatable price uh, guarantees, event protection. Game time has it all from sports to rock concerts. So here's the deal. 
head to gametime.co. That's right, gametime.co. That's .co. That's not .com, but .co. And download the app, create an account, use code Trojans for $20 off your first purchase. Ready to dive in? As for buying tickets, it's as easy as tapping on your phone. Tickets are sent straight to your phone. Again, download the GameTime app, create an account, use code TROJANS for $20 off. Terms apply. Create an account, redeem code TROJANS for $20 off your first purchase. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guarantee. (laughs) All right, let's move to the second quarter. Uh. Let's take a look at Saturday's opponent. USC is facing the Arizona Wildcats. They're one and one in the Pac-12 uh, and three and two overall. ESPN will nationally televise the game from the Coliseum, which will kick off at 7:30 p.m. Pacific time. Saturday night will also be USC Family Weekend uh, on campus, and there should be a big attendance turnout. One would think. Well, last Saturday night, under Arizona's third-year coach Jed Fish, the Wildcats lost at home to the number seven uh, Washington Huskies. 31 to 24. It was a good game. Hope you got to watch it. Get some insight on the uh, on both teams. Actually, uh, Arizona is generally led by veteran quarterback Jaden Delora, who did not play against Washington, and he's replaced by redshirt freshman Noah Favita from local Anaheim Servite. No matter who starts or plays at quarterback, they'll be throwing to sophomore wide receiver sensation Tararoa uh, McMillan, a teammate of Noah Favita's at Servite High. He's really a good one. Defensively, we're going to recognize the name here. The Wildcats are led by former Oregon linebacker Justin Flo. And last time I checked, he was second on the team in tackles. Arizona is currently averaging 27.6 points per game on offense while allowing 19 points per game on defense. So, panel, the Trojans opened a 22-point favorite to defeat Arizona. Do you agree with those odds? We'll start off with Chris. Is that about right? I mean, I think USC can score 62 points, so... It seems about right. Mark? <laughs> yeah. Um, USC is going to be a, a two to three touchdown favorite over most Pac-12 opponents. You, you've got Washington and Oregon still left out there that they, they probably won't hit that threshold. But I think this is probably a good starting point. If USC would just play balance on offense, stop relying. I understand why you rely on Caleb Williams. But establish that running game. Use it. You brought Marshall Lloyd in for a reason. Establish the line of scrimmage. And Eric, go ahead. Greg's in a hurry. <laughs> well, you told me I got you, you had things you had to okay, do. Okay, well, Greg, come on, <laughs> Eric. Uh, ju- I mean, as Mark was saying, no, that's too high, and USC is going to lose. I'll just fill in. I'll fill in what what your thoughts were there, Mark. Um, no, I. That's fine, right? I mean, I mean, the the spread is to get bets on both sides. There's, I would assume, going to be a huge amount coming in on Arizona to cover that, based on how USC has kind of played in the second half or, or you know, played on, on the last two games. But USC's coming back home. I think that's a that's a big thing. They've played well uh, in the Coliseum so far. You hope that fans show up and it's noisy. It wasn't the the best message that USC said to its fans uh, in that that Colorado game. But again, you're counting down the number of times that, that you get to go see kind of this offense featuring Caleb Williams. Uh, I think that they, I don't know. Tw- I mean, 21 is big, right? The way that the defense finished out that game, but 
that's the number when USC scores as many points as they do. You just, you're not going to assume that Arizona is going to get to, to 40 um, with that offense that, that they've done so far, but USC fans want to talk about kind of what they've done the last two weeks and all of that. And Washington gets kind of sort of held up there as, as that team in the conference right now, right there with Oregon. That was tight, right? Washington went to Arizona State, Arizona this past weekend and, and won by seven. I don't know. I'm I'm curious what like Washington fans are, are saying about that kind of outing. So Arizona showed a little bit of spark. And again, it was playing without Jaden Delora, but that offense, you always expect to score so many points that uh sure. I mean, you're you're never surprised. Um, you're never surprised when it's 20 when it's not a Utah, Oregon, Washington on the other side of that. Here's the thing I was trying to get out before Greg cut me off is USC is undefeated at the Coliseum with, with Lincoln Riley as the head coach. And they typically look better coached when they're playing at home than when they're playing on the road. So yeah, I understand T Mac and, and, and Noah Fafita are coming back, but I'm hoping that USC as a team is pissed off and ready to say, you know what? It's not just the defense. The offense needs to do its job for four for full quarters as well. So going on to the next question, says Greg doesn't have anything to say about this. <laughs> I think the offense is 22 points better than the offense of Arizona. I just don't know where the defense is 22 points better in terms of holding them down. And Mark is right. Let's go on to the next question. Panel, what will you be looking for from the USC offense, defense, and special teams against the Wildcats? And what do you think the key to the game will be, Chris Arledge? USC is not going to lose to Arizona. They're not. Okay. The key, the, ga- the key to the game, from my perspective, is for Alex Grinch to call a game that's not idiotic. Will you please simplify the defense so guys know where to line up? and know what their assignments are. On on most of those touchdowns, USC had two or three guys that were obviously out of position and didn't know what they were doing. I guess he thinks he's clever. Stop being so freaking clever. Just line up in your base defense, because you know what? Arizona probably can't block Bear Alexander. I'm not sure they they can block Dijon either. I'm not sure... USC can handle Arizona's offense if the guys just know what they're supposed to be doing and can play with a little bit of confidence. But some of those some of those SC defenders at this point are scared to death. Damani Jackson is playing scared to death out there. He's scared to death. He's not breaking on the ball, and therefore he's four or five yards away from the receiver when he catches it, and therefore he can't make a tackle, and it's happening over and over and over again. He's a fantastic athlete that's playing scared. I don't know if that's worse than the other guys who are playing without a clue as to what their assignment is, but it's not helpful. That's the key to the game. It would also be nice if USC has a three or four touchdown lead and a really good running back to run the football a couple of times. When you're up three scores at halftime and you score first in the second half and your stud tailback, and he is a stud tailback, gets four carries for 12 yards. Are you kidding me? What kind of game plan is that? Look, I know that the offense is spectacular. I know Caleb Williams is amazing. But can we shorten the game? And by the way, your offensive linemen like that. I would have told my offensive lineman at halftime, Lloyd's going to get the ball 20 times this half. You better let him get 150 yards this half. 
go out and hit somebody in the face. That's what I would have done. But whatever, we're going to throw the ball around and get a bunch of third longs, and then we're going to have a, what, 25% conversion rate on third down because we're playing behind the sticks in a game where we're up by four touchdowns? It's craziness. All of this is craziness. USC's not going to lose to Arizona. But if they don't get their act together in a hurry, they're going to lose to a bunch of other people. All right. Let's get some uh, more relaxed uh, commentary from Mark Culkin. Mark? Yeah, um, I don't disagree with anything Chris said. All I'm going to add is this, because Eric and I, we're, we're talking in the press box, watching the defense line up. And every time you see the defense line up and there's nobody on USC's defense lined up in the middle of the field. Between the hash marks, there is no defender. And you're thinking, okay, we know what play is coming. doesn't matter if it's a pass or it's a run. It's going to the middle of the field. And if all you have to do, you know you're playing against an aggressive USC defense. Just do ball action. Just fake them a little bit. Play a little misdirection. Somebody is going to miss their assignment. Eric called it out right there. Watch what happens. Shudder Sanders ran 25 yards untouched into the end zone because you can see it. And you don't have to have a trained eye. You, you know, that was, I think, the biggest takeaway from Lincoln Riley when he came out for his press conference after the game was he knew he was going to be getting some heated questions. And he was just looking for a way to say, you know what? We know we have work to do. However, you're not seeing where we're making the improvements. We've talked about this already. We can say it over and over again. Chris talked about it. Just line up in a base defense. Stop shifting around. And on occasion, throw a blitz out there. All season long, Colorado could not do two things. Defend, you know, protect their quarterback. They did it this game. And open up running lanes for their running backs. They did it this game. You know what else Colorado wasn't able to do? Stop the opponent from running the ball. For some reason, USC wanted to show them, you can do that, and we'll help you out. All right, Eric, you have been proclaimed by Culkin as a soothsayer. Uh, what are you, your, your views here on uh, the offense, defense, special teams, key to the game? What do you think? Yeah, Mark and I had a few of those. Mark Mark called the, the blocked punt uh, early Ooh. in the game after Colorado's first one. He said they're going to get one in this game. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So credit to, to Mark Culkin. It was pointing at a red fire hydrant. Duh. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I so so what I would like to see is yeah a run game and it feels dumb for me to say you know come see Caleb Williams and then I want I want to see the run game but you what what you want to do offensively is win that game right you want to win that game and different games call for different things and the second half of the Colorado game called for let's finish the game right let's hold the ball finish the game uh so offensively it's you you want to see the show in all ways, right? Like run, run the ball, control the line, be tough, be tough, run it on third and four, right? Get those kinds of plays because the next week, you know where you have to go. Uh, defensively, what I would like is I do a, a story after each game, numbers of note, right? Where we go through and pick some stats and numbers and all that. I would like to put a zero and that is, times the ball is snapped where USC's defenders backs are to the line of scrimmage. Like I, I would like a defensive game where on every single snap for at least one second, 
before the ball is snapped. Every single player has their eyes on the ball or the player they're guarding. Because there were two touchdowns where USC, not not all 11 USC defenders knew the ball was snapped at that time, right? And, and were moving at the snap. And whether that's, you know, in the game plan in terms of if they do this, we have to make a check, we have to make a call. And I know that all the motion and all of that stuff makes it very difficult on the defense. Like Chris has has so eloquently and calmly said a few yes, times. He, he was calm about it. It, no just, it just does feel like you have all of this added stuff for the defense to deal with when they're already dealing with playing in an era where it's harder to play defense than it ever has been before, right? So so the fact that you have guys still trying to make calls and make adjustments and all that stuff and missing guys coming off the line and missing like maybe that last second check that, that you wanted to do, it makes it really tough. And again, at least, at least two of Colorado's touchdowns seem to come on plays where that kind of stuff was going on. So again, zero this week plays where USC does not have 11 defenders locked in and and moving at the snap of the ball and knowing where they're going to go. It's been weeks, right, where you've had at least one of those. The idea that all of a sudden, I mean, really, that's it with the defense. The The idea that all of a sudden, you know, you snap your fingers and it locks in and now we've got it, right? Now, now all the work we've done since spring ball of 2022, and I know there's new guys that have, that have been added, but all that work now is leading to this Thursday or Friday or whatever, when it all locks in, it's, it's just tough to believe that that is going to happen. But at the same time, you have to, you have to still know that USC's rolling defensive players out there that can play, that can play with these offenses that can make plays and do the things that you need to do to be again, not what like we've said from the beginning, not an elite defense because you don't need to all of a sudden give up a hundred yards a game or keep teams to 50 rushing yards or whatever that is. You need to not let a quick hitch go for 65 yards. You need to not let every deep ball down the sideline get caught, right? You need to not open up the middle of the field so that they're eight yards into your secondary before anyone kind of reacts and, and can get to them. Anyway, it's a lot, it's a lot of ifs and a lot, a lot of things that you want to look for. So again, I'll go back to every defender lined up, ready to go every play against Arizona. And I think if that happens, you're already kind of in, in a pretty good starting spot against them. Oh, special okay. team. Sorry, make all your kicks. There you go. All right. Offensively, uh I I like when Lincoln Riley said afterwards, uh, we need to we need probably probably should have run the ball more. Now usually when a head coach says that, he's throwing a hint to his offensive coordinator. Uh, you're calling the plays that you might want to consider running the ball more. But Lincoln Riley is the offensive coordinator. And I'll go back to what I said last week and what I've said for a long time. When you hire a coach who is a quarterback by trade, uh, former quarterback, or is into the uh, type of offense that SC runs, you know, you have to expect they want to throw the ball no matter what time of the game it is. Uh, and they stop running the ball because quarterback coaches want to throw the ball. And Lincoln Riley's the offense coordinator. Uh, he will make the decision. It will be interesting to see how he uh, elects to treat the game uh, this week. 
Uh, defensively, I am really concerned about their overall confidence on defense. I mean, they were pretty, pretty good. I thought for uh, most of the first half, except for the uh, ugly ending. Uh, so we know that they can do it, but I think this, the confidence level in the second half, it really started to unravel and you have to project yourself to say, well, if you think that's tough at uh, Folsom field, Notre Dame is going to be no picnic. Otson stadium is going to be no picnic. Hopefully, they will have a good outing for four quarters. They'll get some confidence. They have a positive look. But when the going gets tough, the tough get going, and they need to really put on their big boys' pants when things are really tough in the second half of a tight game and, uh, you know, encourage each other to remember what they're taught to do, be disciplined, and so on. I think the key to the game will be their attitude. Just what do you want to make happen in the game offensively and defensively? Let's conclude the first uh, half with this segment uh, very quickly, as we've been doing with all the teams that are leaving the Pac-12 and playing SC probably for the last time in the foreseeable future. Uh, is there any moment of the SC-Arizona series that you think back on that's that, that's going to remind you of when these teams did play together? Chris, anything that strikes you? Any memory of it? No. The first thing that came to mind when I read that question was that game where Quinn Rodriguez kicked four field goals and USC won 12 to nothing to, to, right. to set up their Rose Bowl run. And if that's the first thing that jumps into your mind, there's nothing to talk about there. I'm not going to miss Arizona, whatever. Mark? Yeah, there is no, there's nothing. I remember a game. I don't even remember which game. I know it was in Arizona. Taylor Mays took out two running backs on consecutive plays. That, that's what I remember from, from this series. Eric? Another loss, right? Let's keep it going. I think, I think I've talked about losses <laughs> all three weeks we've done this with Pac-12 teams. It's the, it's the 2012 game. Marquise Lee, I guarantee you, had more receiving yards in that game than you could possibly even remember. He, he caught 16 balls for 345 yards and two touchdowns, and USC lost that game. It was one of those Lane Kiffin specials. I remember when we get to Washington, I'll talk about this one too, but Alan Bradford went for like 220 yards on the ground and averaged like nine yards a carry, and they lost that game too. Any Like if anyone had their best game, maybe with the exception of Robert Woods, 17 catches against Minnesota, which they barely won that game. Like if you had your best game under Lane Kiffin, you probably lost that game, and no game is better for that than that Marquise Lee game. He he was unbelievable in that game. But as far as these two, like, helmets going against each other in a game, no, no, nothing. But his his performance in that game was unbelievable. Yes, it was. My memory of, uh, of Arizona uh, series with USC was the days of Teddy Bruschi and uh, his uh, dom- the dominating defenses. I think it was Desert Swarm. Uh, and uh, how how effective playing defense was, uh, and SC really had to fight to get their victories. Uh, but you know, I personally won't miss Tucson. I, with all due respect to those people that live in Tucson, it's not a city that I would go out of my way to go visit. I'm glad I got to go visit it a number of times. Uh, they have a good uh, drive-through, by the way, on the way to Phoenix at the uh, Carl's Jr. But we'll get some comments, I'm sure, on the. Uh, YouTube comment section. That is it just that specific, Carl Jr., Greg? What's that? 
Is it just that specific Carl's Jr.? That's the you know, that's the I just remember Carl's Jr. in the country. No, it's it's on it's on the freeway going there. But now I'm going to take some heat about we don't care about Carl's Jr. Let's just move on. No, I'm sure everybody tunes in to hear about Carl's Jr. Greg. Well, finally, you know, they're thinking finally, <laughs> yeah. finally, all these all these wasted I've episodes I've where they never talk stop on the side of the highway. Now I know. Well, it was at one o'clock, and I think it was two o'clock in the morning, actually, because uh, I got out of the press well, box. It, place it was there. open. That's what made it special. <laughs> we got to get whoever served you. We got to get them on. We got to get them on a show. <laughs> you know, they, I think they we should do that, and uh, you know, maybe a special on that one. Friends of Carl's. Um, all right, friends. A reminder to USC football fans: following the conclusion of each and every USC home and away game. WeRSC.com brings you five things, a timely analysis from moderator and WeRSC editor-in-chief Eric McKinney, along with columnist Mark Culkin and myself. We answer and discuss five important in-depth questions about the just-concluded game. We invite you to check out five things on YouTube, and also you can get it on WeRSC.com after the conclusion of Saturday's game uh, against uh, Arizona. Uh, we try to get it out as quickly as possible, but again, a 7.30 at night game, by the time everybody's done doing what they're doing, uh, we'd like it to come on as quickly as possible, and we'll try to get it on as quickly as possible, but it does take a little bit of time. Uh, after yeah, we Greg's got to hit Carl's Jr. first before we can get it out. No, I think so I'm going to actually... Gonna... When you do that little ad... Because because it, it, it it's pretty obvious to everybody here that, that I'm the guy that's left out. Why don't you just say all of us except Chris? You can just say that. It's faster. Well, you know what? I, I didn't want to call attention to you because I didn't want to make you feel bad. Uh, but, but that's all right. We'll move on. But, well, okay. We'll make up for it at Notre Dame. You're going to go to Notre Dame, right? Yeah. And are you bringing family or friends? Uh, Both. Wow. Okay. Well, we got to figure out a spot that we can all mingle together. And uh, there's Carl's Jr. There. We'll figure it out. Chris, it doesn't help that you charge us to use your name each time in in this one either. So that's that's kind of your own fault there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. There's the bell. Let's go to halftime. Panel, when you sit in the stands of a USC football game, home, home or away, do you wear USC apparel? And if so, what do you wear? Eric? Uh, I did, yeah. Shirt, hat. Yeah, so you came. You came loaded for uh, for spirit then. Uh, yeah, yep, got to. Uh, Chris. Yeah, always, but it's not just one thing. It, I have a lot of USC shirts. I pick one. Does it make a difference if it's home or away? It doesn't make a difference, and what and and I know that my apparel isn't going to affect what happens on the field. Believe me, if I had any impact whatsoever on what happens on the field, we would be seeing results at this point. <laughs> I was just kind the of question curious. is: Do you retire the the ones from losses, or they come right back out? I no, don't. I mean, I how much money do you think I'd have to spend on USC gear during the Helton years if I did that? Wow! All right, you go to go to body paint at that point. <laughs> yep, the body paint option. All right. Uh Mark. Yeah, I used to all the time. Uh in fact I had enough, you know, Trojan gear that I never wore the same shirt to a to a home game twice in the same season. Now, what I've always wanted though was a pair of those Cardone Gold farmer overalls. That's something <laughs> I would have loved to have worn to a game. So anybody out there, you got an extra pair you want to donate? 
DM me and I'll send you my address. You, you want a used pair too, apparently. Okay. <laughs> Break them in, right? Better than those stiff looking pop things. <laughs> I think that slides right over the dress code line in the uh, in the press box too. So you you're still good. <laughs> well, I'm I I'm kind of surprised that all three of you didn't say I wear a red uh, collared shirt for a home game, but on the away games I wear white to kind of support the team and the team colors. But uh, I don't uh, I don't usually wear a hat. I'm not a hat guy unless it's really hot, and I try to stay out of uh, heated places. I of course I don't have to worry about that now because I've been in the press box for so long. But uh, you know I used to wear my USC shirt. I, I I really enjoyed it as long as the shirt feels good and the collar doesn't get itchy. Most of the time I'm wearing my We Are SC shirt, uh, staff shirt. Let's call it that way. All right, panel. Second part here. Have you ever bet on a USC football game? If yes, what was the game? How much did you bet? And did you win, Eric? Uh, I bet my happiness on the national championship game against Texas, and I lost quite a bit on that one. Uh, no, never, never uh, money on it. Chris, never, never in Vegas like a real bet, but but I've certainly had bets over the years with uh, with friends and others. I can't remember any of the details of any of them, but I know I've done it. Mark. Yeah, same as Chris, you know, message board, prop bet player, you know, bets with friends. You, you never bet money on something that you're passionate about because you're always going to say, USC is going to win this game. I just know they're going to do it. You can't talk yourself into winning money. It doesn't work that way. So, yeah, betting money on USC is probably not a, a wise thing. Never get high on your own supply is what they say, right? There you go. Uh I never bet on a USC football game. And I tell you one thing, I, I used to have feel guilty because, of course, when practices were open, like the Pete Carroll era, you got to see everything. And I felt like I can't in good good conscience go and bet on USC for or against when I've got this, quote, insider trading information. So from that standpoint, I said, I'm, I'm not going to bet. But generally speaking, I don't I don't bet on games. All right. Uh we, again, strongly encourage those of you watching Inside the Trojan Subtle on sites like YouTube, click the like and red subscriber buttons. It's greatly valued, appreciated, and it's free. And again, you can also listen to Inside the Trojan Subtle on many available podcast sites. And be sure to check out wrc.com and become a premium subscriber. And I'm just going to throw this in. We really, really appreciate all of you watching and listening, whether you think we're full of manure or you like us or you hate us. The bottom line is you're watching it, you're engaged. Uh, we appreciate it, uh, and we hope that we can keep delivering for you. And uh, I hope you appreciate that these are our opinions, okay? Uh, you may disagree with this, but they're just our opinions, and uh, we never try to get personal about any of these things. I mean, you can tell that we do disagree with each other sometimes, but it, it's all, generally speaking, in good fun. Uh, okay, Arla, just say, is it? Greg, I speak for yourself. That. No, I didn't, you know, let you right into that. Right into that one, like me. I don't appreciate them. I don't care if you watch or not. I only want the people that like me to watch. <laughs> you walked right into that. Thank you so very much. All right. It's time for the lightning round predictions, folks. In honor of USC going to the Big Ten in 2024, we kick off the third quarter of Inside the Trojan Settle with our Big Ten lightning round. So here we go, guys. Uh, we'll go in this order, Eric. Uh, uh, Mark, uh, Chris, and Greg. Uh, so, uh, or excuse me, let's do it this way. Mark, Eric, 
Chris and Greg. I beg your pardon. Uh, question one, yes or no? After watching the ASU and Colorado games, should USC fans be reaching for the panic button? I think we kind of touched on this, but quick answer. Mark, yes uh, or no? No, no panic. No panic. Eric? Nope, not if you didn't already have it with you. <laughs> Chris? Not panic, but <laughs> we got issues. We got issues. You All right. I say you don't need to worry about the panic button just yet. Just make sure you have your D batteries in, in hand in case you need it. Uh, question two, uh, yes or no, do you believe that USC will finish the season undefeated? Mark? You know, I started the season saying they're going to go 12-0. and 0. I'm not going to back down now. With that All said, right. I don't feel as comfortable with my early season prediction. Kudos to you for sticking to your guns. Eric? Uh, no, but that's not a change from, from the start of the year. Chris? No. And I say no. I wish they would, but I don't think so. Question three, yes or no, at this point of the season, at this point, do you believe that USC will lose more than one game in the final seven games of the season, yes or no? This is why I don't bet on USC. My heart wants me to say no. My brain you already is- answered the question. You said they're going to go undefeated. I'm sticking with it because I made the prediction. We already know the answer. <laughs> this this question is very specific, Chris. You're a okay. lawyer. You All heard right, go it. Ahead. Go ahead. I'm, it's suspenseful. At this, go ahead. At this point, <laughs> so, like I said, I fe- it's probably going to happen. I'm just wishing it doesn't. Eric McKinney. Yeah, same kind of thing, right? If I if if I was forced to bet and guess it. You have to play that many good teams. Yeah, chances are you're gonna you're gonna lose a couple if you keep playing the way that they played. Chris, this USC team loses two, maybe even three. They better figure stuff out in a hurry. But I'm gonna say yes, and I'm gonna say yes because the way they're playing right now, I can see the storm coming off the off the shores. So I hope it doesn't happen. I really do. Uh, question four, overrated or underrated? The Trojans are now 5-0, and ranked number nine in the AP poll at this point of the season. Are the Trojans overrated or underrated, Mark? This is kind of a loaded question. Look, they're winning, and they won two games on the road, and they, can, they continue to drop in the polls. Were they too high at number five? I don't know. They're somewhere between five and ten. Why they keep dropping in the polls when they're winning on the road? Why nobody else seems to be affected? It, it, that's it's a loaded question. I'm going to leave them where they're at. They should be somewhere five, six, or seven. All right, Eric. I think they're good where they are. I don't think they're overrated or under. You, look, you can't drop them behind teams with losses. They've right? they've played a they've played a power five schedule and and won it right. So that's fine. I don't have a problem with them being below Washington or Oregon. At least not a huge problem. Although. Oregon's got a super tight win at Texas Tech, and Washington's got a pretty tight win at, at Arizona. Um, but right there, grouped all super close together, that's fine. Yeah, I, I think overrated, underrated. Uh, I, I think it is a loaded question in some ways, uh, but I think they're right where they should be. Question five. Yes Sorry, or Chris, no- next time. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's like the It's like that after the game show. Whatever, just keep going. Well, Chris, no, don't. Come on, be nice. Uh, overrated or underrated, Chris? Oh, I thought you were mad at me. Uh, they're right where they should be. They're they're undefeated. They have the best player in the country, but they don't play defense. Number nine seems about right. Okay. 
Question five, yes or no, should Washington and Oregon be rated above the Trojans in the national rankings, Mark? I'll refer to my previous answer. Okay, Eric? Yeah, I think that's fine. I They should because they are. If it went USC, Washington, and Oregon, then that would be fine too. Um, but I don't have a problem with them being above them. Chris? Yeah, they should be. If I if I'm not a USC fan and I've watched all three of those teams play this season, I would think Washington and Oregon are better. Yeah, and I think uh, they're right the way it should be in that order. And the good news is SC is going to play those teams and can can change that order uh, uh, in the coming weeks. All right, question six: Yes or no? Will the Trojans be favored when they play Notre Dame in two weeks, Mark? Yes, by a field goal. Eric? I think a lot depends on this week, right? Like how USC plays against Arizona. I think that could change it quite a bit. Again, we're talking about teams on the road. Like Notre Dame was pretty lucky or or at least, you know, needed a long time to, to beat Duke uh, this last weekend. I think that home field and how Notre Dame played against Ohio State, I think it's like a one one point two point uh, Notre Dame favorites. Chris? Notre Dame will be favored. And I agree, Notre Dame will be favored. Maybe by one point, but they'll be favored. Question seven, yes or no, at this point of the season, should the Trojans be running the football more? Mark? Yes. Eric? Yeah. Although you do have to keep Marshawn Lloyd healthy. He's got a he's got a history of you know different kinds of, of injuries. Um, so I get maybe slowing a little bit, but the Colorado game seemed to call for for some running. You got Austin Jones, you got Barlow, you got Quentin Joyner. They brought him on the trip. Use him. Yeah. Chris? When they're up four touchdowns, they should be. I agree. They should be running the ball more. It shouldn't be an afterthought. We should have. We could have. We didn't. That's the bottom line. Question eight. Yes or no? Although the Trojans are currently 5-0, and do you believe there will be coaching changes on Lincoln Riley's staff for, 20, for 2024, either voluntarily or involuntarily? Mark? If they don't make the playoffs, it will not be Lincoln Riley's decision. What do you mean, just for clarification? You think there, will staff, there, will, there will be staff changes. Okay. Eric? Yeah, there'll be changes anyway. I mean, it's it's not normal for an entire staff to stay together for one offseason. It, it's for sure not going to happen two years in a row. Chris? Yeah, it'll happen for the reason that Eric said, but I think it'll also happen for the reasons that we're all begging for it to happen. And it will be Lincoln Riley's choice because nobody at USC can make Lincoln Riley do anything with his football program that he doesn't want to do. Nobody. He's got more juice than anybody at that place. Agree. I think, yes, there will be changes one way or the other. Uh, Question nine, yes or no, at this point, do you believe that Caleb Williams is the greatest USC quarterback in school history? Mark? He's uh he's touching the precipice right now. He's up there, pretty darn close. He's definitely the most talented quarterback they've ever had. Eric, yeah, and I don't think it's that close. I, I think he is pretty substantially beyond uh, what the rest of them can do. Just his ability to run and throw is like the better than the best of of anyone that's played at USC before him. Chris. I think he's better than anyone who's ever played NCAA football. He's not going to finish with the greatest resume of all time, 
But I don't think you can point to a college quarterback ever that has more skill and more talent than that guy. Just don't think that guy exists. Uh, having, of course, watched them for <laughs> since 1962, the great quarterbacks at SC have all played with good defenses for the most part, right? <laughs> that is not a luxury for uh, Caleb Williams. So if you say to yourself, if Caleb Williams was on any of those other great teams, uh, would we've even been talking? Would this even be a debate? I say take out the defense uh, that he has to work with and be pressured to score all these points every week. I, I think it'd be hard to argue against him not being the greatest quarterback in USC football history. Uh, and they've had some really good ones, as we all know. All right, question 10. Yes or no, this week's USC-Arizona game in the Coliseum is family USC Family Weekend. Will the Coliseum be sold out on Saturday night, Mark? No. Eric? No. Chris? Nope. So no answer for me. All right, the bonus question, the one that everyone looks forward to, right? Yes or no? If you could step inside a time machine, would you like to be in high school again? Mark? In 2023 or in the 1980s? If you could go back to high school again. Oh, yes. If I could go back to the 1980s in high school, I would be there like that. All right. Eric McKinney. Oh, God, no. No. <laughs> How do you really feel about that? <laughs> no. I mean, I still I, – look, I haven't been in high school for a while. I still have, like, waking nightmares of not knowing where a classroom <laughs> is or having, like, a test that I don't even know that I'm in that class. It's – no. No, absolutely not. Mr. Arledge. Do I get to know all the stuff that I know now? I mean, I still don't want to do it, but but I, I, I liked high school. I don't have nightmares about high school. That's You should talk to a therapist, Eric. But I um, am. <laughs> that's, that's what I just did. But I, I wouldn't want to go back and lose the knowledge I've accumulated. But if I could go back with the knowledge I have, that's not terrible. I don't right. want to do it, but it's not terrible. I... Uh... You know, I've been around a lot of friends. We're having our 55th reunion, which I'm not going to go to, by the way. Uh, and that's it's a question that, that people have said, would you like to go back to high school? Now, some of them really want to go back to high school because that was the, the highlight of their life. And high school was not the highlight of my life. It was a process of going through it. I played sports in high school. I was in student government, yada, yada, yada. Some other things, I was on the school newspaper which was a, a learning experience. But you know what? Uh, I don't think that I would be happy uh, going back to high school. I don't think it would serve me. Like, I just can't wait to get back there. So uh, I would say no. Uh, all right, let's keep Greg, this. Going. Greg would stop the time machine at the Carl's Jr. All right, that that's enough. <laughs> By the way, I once met Carl to be honest with you. Is there anything else you did in high school, Greg? I mean, I just want to, I'd like the full CV if we can get it. Well, it is available for Christmas. It's a two-disc set. All right. Before we head into the fourth quarter, we now have lit the symbolic We Are SC Coliseum torch, a tribute to USC home games. When the famed Coliseum torch is lit between the third and fourth quarter of every home game. Um, and while the torch burns, reminder to all of you recruitaholics, don't forget to watch WeRSE.com's weekly recruiting video show, Recruiting Roundup, with nationally respected Scott Schrader, 
the best in the business, and host Dylan Brazier. And a reminder as well to watch Friday's new Four Down show with moderator Eric McKenney, along with myself. We bring you the latest information on USC's next opponent, the Wildcats, and sponsored by Prize Pick. So we hope you'll get a chance to watch that on a Friday. So let's head to the fourth quarter. We have predictions uh, on conference games and a couple of uh, significant national games. So let's get going on this one. Saturday, October 7th, number 13, Washington State at UCLA, 12 p.m., Pac-12 Networks. UCLA is a three-point favorite. Who are you taking, Chris? I think Wazoo is going to walk all over. Mark. Yeah, I got Wazoo. All right. The Cougars live. Uh, Eric? Same. Yep. Yeah, I tell you what. Uh, how does the, how does everybody look now with Arizona or excuse me Oregon State and Washington State having these great seasons and they're still without a conference affiliation after after this season crazy just crazy I will uh, I'll take Washington State uh, Colorado at ASU three thirty p.m. Uh, Pac twelve networks uh, Colorado's a six and a half point favorite Chris who wins it Colorado wins it but I think this is a competitive game Mark. I think this is the game where ASU finally kind of breaks through. Colorado's going to come down to earth. They're going to have a little bit of a letdown. They're going on the road. Wow, hangover city. Eric? Yeah, it's the USC special, right? You lose the game after you put everything into that USC game. I I think Arizona State wins. All right. Uh, I'm going with Colorado. I think uh, Sanders has a way of getting into the heads of these players. I think they're going to want to show that they're not going to have a letdown. I think they'll come ready to play. Uh, all right. Number 15, Oregon State at Cal, 7 p.m. Pac 12 Networks. Oregon State's eight and a half point favorite. Chris? Oregon State wins, but they don't cover. Cal is, Cal is showing a little bit of life, I think. And Oregon, and I do not trust Oregon State's quarterback. I think Oregon State wins, but I think it's by a field goal late. Mark? Yeah. For exactly what Chris said, I don't trust the Beavers quarterback. I got Cal actually winning this game. Wow. All right, Eric. Yeah, I honestly, I think Cal also, this is that, I mean, right. This is the PAC 12. We all know and love, right. You set it up to have this kind of season. And then all these favorites start to lose uh, on the road when you need them to kind of keep winning, to keep the conference up. Um, I think again, Oregon state coming off an emotional win and has to go on the road. That could be tough. Uh, I'm picking Oregon State uh, quarterback or no quarterback. I think they're really well coached. I think they've got a system. They work the system. And I'm still not totally sold on the Cal offense. I think Oregon State could score more points, obviously, to win. All right, our national uh, game picks of the week. Here's a good one. Number three, Texas. And number 12, Oklahoma in Dallas. They'll play. I think they'll play uh, at 1230 p.m., It's on ABC. Number three, Texas is a four and a half point favorite. Chris, who wins it? I think this is going to be a great football game. Oklahoma feels pretty good about themselves right now. Uh, Texas obviously has a lot of hype uh, after that Alabama win, and it's deserved, but it's not the same Alabama team with the quarterback play they've gotten. I'm going to pick Oklahoma in an upset. Okay, Oklahoma in an upset. Mark? It's going to be a shootout. So whoever has the ball last, whoever scores last wins. 
And whoever would... scores more wins. Well, that too, but uh, let's hit him on flip a coin. Texas. All right. Eric? Oklahoma, because I know I I certainly picked Alabama to beat Texas, but I am not going to pick Sark and have him let me down on, on a game where I'm, I'm picking him. So, uh, yeah, Oklahoma in that one. All right. Uh, this is interesting. You got the great offensive guru in in the Sarkmeister at Texas, and you have uh, the great defensive uh, guru at Oklahoma, who's the head coach now. So it's really going to be intriguing to to watch this one. But I think I think Texas may be for real. I think they could do it. I can tell you this: if if Texas loses this game. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of comments from the Texas fans, and you're probably going to hear a lot of uh, uh, dogging uh, by Oklahoma if they win and point out that they have a better coach than they had with their previous coach, who was Lincoln Riley. All right, let's go. This was, I threw this one here because I thought it was uh, timely. Number 10, Notre Dame at number 25, Louisville, 4.30 p.m. ABC. The Irish are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Chris, what do you got? I think Notre Dame will win this one comfortably. It is a road game. It's before USC, but uh, but after last week's scare, I think they'll pull it together. Mark? Yeah. Yeah. I got Notre Dame winning this one. I don't know if they'll cover, but they'll win. Eric? I think it's the same thing as last week. I think I think I mean it it's scary that maybe I, I had a better read on Notre Dame going into Duke than USC going to Colorado, but that same idea where the the underdog is there all game and then Notre Dame makes enough plays right at the end uh to win Sam Hartman has not been super impressive as the kind of the the quarterback in the portal that everyone wanted and the big name guy he's been okay but that Notre Dame offense is is not explosive or really good it's a big thick back that's tough to tackle and that might be might be worse for USC but uh, I I don't know if they have it to to go leave Louisville in, in the dust and run away with that one. Well, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm going to take the Irish. I think I have a little bit more uh, positive things to say about Hartman. I think he's a real leader. Uh, Notre Dame still has a, a good offensive line. Uh, they'll run the ball. I like Estime, uh, Audric Estime. I think he's, uh, you know, some people say he's maybe the top running back in the country. I don't know if that's true, uh, but he is, he's a tough kid. Once he gets rolling, he's a big, he's a big back about two thirty, six feet, five eleven. Uh, so I'm taking the Irish. Okay. Our Cardinal and gold pick, obviously Arizona at number nine, USC, seven thirty PM ESPN. SC is a 22 point favorite. Uh, can we all agree that SC is going to win? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Right, consensus. All right, let's move. We're in overtime, and boy, did we get a lot of questions, and I hope we can get to most of them uh, from fans. Here we go. Uh, from viewers, question one from Eb Does It. Hello. Does Rinkin Riley have the ability to critique, critique his defensive coordinator and hold him accountable? Obviously not. We keep seeing the same thing. Uh, insanity. Thank you. So that was a comment. Uh, question two. I think it was a question, but he answered it. 
Yeah, it was rhetorical. He should have uh, started yes or no and then said that. <laughs> Question two from the Trojan fan from the Valley. Panel, can USC still save the season or are we a lost cause on defense? Why can't Riley run the ball in the second half of games to save the defense from fatigue? Is it stubbornness? He did the same thing at OU. Uh, all right. Any comment on that one? I think we have. Yeah. We it's not have. a lost cause. USC can win every game on the schedule. All right. There you go. Positive outlook. All right. Question three from Bobby. Tee it up from Rancho Mirage. Seems like the defense, secondary, and linebackers especially are thinking too much versus reacting and flying to the ball. Leads me to believe they have trouble with or are unsure of their reads and can't work as a unit in the current scheme. Fair to say? Or am I asking for too much from them? Panel, comments. Perfectly stated. I think they have no idea what they're doing. Eric, you want to chip in? And go on top of that? No. (laughs) I think it goes without saying. Uh, Question four from R.C. Trojan from Rancho Cucamonga. I can't figure out what the hell Grinch is doing. Colorado had one way back into that game, which was to rely on quick hitting passes from Sanders to his very athletic wide receivers to let them make plays. And the Grinch that stole the Natty scheme played right into that. SC re- retu- uh, uh, routinely had one safety just 12 yards off the line of scrimmage and the other DBs all in man coverage and spread all over the field. That second half gave me Tulane flashbacks. It didn't work at OU, it didn't work last season, and it's not working this year. Yet, he keeps doing it. Does he really believe the coach speak, quote-unquote, that you don't react to the other team but make them react to you? What am I missing? So, Chris, are you actually sending questions into Greg? I was going to say, right? <laughs> I'm super impressed that Chris was able to come up with all of these fake names to send these questions in under. That was a really, really good job. You wrote so your stories and came up with all this. Really <laughs> creative week from you. Yeah, I've been busy. Wait till you hear my next one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Again, this could be something that Chris has been working on with all these pseudo names. So here we go. Now, this kind of fits into it, doesn't it? Question five from Redondo Beach. Uh, SC. Is Clay Helton a better coach than Alex Grinch? All right, Chris, you have to answer this question first. The fact that it's actually come to this, that we're asking this question and answering it, tells you a lot. Um, I'll just say this. I don't want either one of them on a USC sideline anymore. How's that? Uh, Well, well, what about the other two guys here? Do you uh, do you support uh, Chris's uh, comment? I know Clay Helton will be prepared with an answer when he meets the media. I'm not sure Alex Grinch is going to ever have that opportunity unless he has a few days to prepare for it. All right. Going, going. Next question. Six, from Romy from Huntington Beach. What changes can be made and still save Grinch's image of being one of the more successful defensive coaches I'm not saying that he is. I said, quote, unquote, save image. This may be a question better off left off this thread for discussion. Uh, any comments to that one? I don't want to talk about Alex Grinch anymore tonight. All right. Question seven from Scott in Gilbert, Arizona. Panel, I absolutely hated, all caps, that Caleb Williams was the player of the game against Colorado. 
Now, don't get me wrong. I love how brilliant he is, but I can't seem to understand is why we didn't have a game plan against ASU and or Colorado where we just pound the rock down their throats, take the crowd completely out of it, as well as your opponent's desire to continue to play. Nothing is more humiliating or soul-crunching as a team, crushing as a team, and fan base than seeing your opponent exact their will against you and you can't stop them uh, from doing it. Please let me know, why aren't we running the ball more? And also a second to that and uh, for conversation here, for Chris especially, do you think that Alex Grinch has the self-awareness and with, wherewithal to know that his defensive scheme isn't working? And more importantly, how can he dumb his defense down to make it less exotic and just allow us to be in a position to not give up huge chunk plays? So, hey, Scott uh, and Gilbert, no, Scott and Gilbert, I literally just said I don't want to talk about Alex Grinch anymore, and then you insist on asking an Alex Grinch question, and you say to Chris especially. That's not okay, Scott. It's not okay. Wow, such vitriol! Well, I'm just I'm, I look. I'm trying to I'm trying to get people in line here, right? It's a lack of discipline, not only on the field but amongst the fan base. Wow, Marine Corps Chris. Uh, any questions about uh, the 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 first part of the question from Scott? I, I think Scott has the same untrained eye that we all do right now, so we just have to kind of roll with it. All right, we'll roll with it. Question eight from Trojan Mike, class of 74 in Dallas. Hello, Greg. Love your podcast. Question. Now, I want to say it's not my podcast. We're a team here. There's no person that's Except for Chris. Except for Chris. Three of us are a team. That's right. That's right. We all have pictures of Chris. I'm Ringo. I'm Ringo in this for them. Sometimes I just get cast aside. Jimmy Nickel comes in and plays for me. Go ahead, though. Finish the question. (laughs) Well, I think we'll call you for now, uh, uh, Ringo uh, Arledge. Uh, question. I was concerned about the time change, early start, and the high attitude. Does anyone think the Trojans just wore out in the second half? I thought the first half was the best they played this year on both sides of the ball, unless, or excuse me, until the end of the second quarter with the late Buffs TD. Thanks, guys. Uh, comments? I, yeah, I think it, I think it was real. I mean, I don't think that it accounted for 41 Colorado points. Uh, but that time, the, the early kick and the altitude plays, plays a role. Sure. I'm not going to guess how to much run of a around role. not knowing your assignment when you're winded. Sure. I agree with that. Look, they came out think? really strong. They came out strong with an early kickoff. They looked great for, as I said, for 27 minutes out of 30 minutes. And then they came out strong to start the second half on defense. Something, someone pulled the plug because it was offense and defense that that literally lost their power simultaneously. And that, to me, tells me it was more of a coaching calls than the players. Okay, I, I think I, I I didn't like the early start. Uh, I didn't like the whole thing. I'm pretty open on that one. I think the altitude did make a difference late in the game. Uh, they lost confidence and the old coaching act, uh, axiom. Uh, fatigue makes cowards out of all of us. Uh, question nine from Dr. Who in Central Virginia. Greg, given yesterday's defensive performance, what did you think, what do you think Riley will do? One, nothing, business as usual. Well, that seems to be an answer there. Two, bring in defensive consultants, try to assist Grinch. I think he's already done 
brought in defensive uh, analysts, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, and three replaced Grinch at the end of the season. I think that's going to be a real possibility, but we'll see. Or other. I don't know what other is. Other you keep them or you don't keep them. Uh, but uh, they can't continue to have business as usual because if it ain't working, you gotta you got to go and do something or somewhere or replace players, right? Uh, question 10 from Josh. Hi, Greg. Defense is a combination of talent scheme and football IQ. The first two are present. How does one teach football IQ at the college level? It seems most are relying on the innate talent of the group, but momentum changes. Changes require collective IQ like Rudigood, Cody, Patterson, and Lofa, meaning Lofa Tatupu. Who would be those teachable folks on our current defense? Comments? Yeah, the scheme's not there. Other than that, I don't have any comments. Going once, going twice. Uh, you know, players teaching players is always a good thing uh, because uh, you know they they're teammates. I've always found that 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 really works. But I'll tell you what doesn't work is if players on a team know that somebody shouldn't be in the game, yet that player's still in the game, and uh, nothing is more demoralizing than that. I remember our late colleague Kevin Bruce. Uh, told me that when he was on the 74 national championship team, there was a player that wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. He later became a very star player, went on the NFL. But Kevin said he got so infuriated, this guy wouldn't do what he was supposed to do, that he ran over the sideline to McKay and the defense coordinator and said, you got to get this guy the hell out of this game. He's killing us. And uh, they made the change, and he said they were better off for it. Everyone was happy. The defense functioned uh, the way – Kevin and the rest of them thought it should be. So it does does matter. Question 11 from Troy 70 is more of a comment. He's from Seal Beach, California. Great guy, been a big follower. I think he used to go to Lakewood High School with Ron Ayala. Uh, he says, will you see any deep play calling difference in the rest of the season? Afraid not. Lots of laughs. Fight on. So I think that that's kind of a rhetorical question. I think he was just trying to get a comment in there, and we appreciate it. Question 12 from Gupo and Polanka, a longtime uh, WRSC person, subscriber. <laughs> the only thing that gives me a medium of hope is that ND and Washington only won by seven, both on the road. Is that false hope? Was it? No, we've said USC can beat all these teams. I mean, the, they're, they're not playing the Chiefs or the Eagles, right? Like all these teams have the same college players capable of not making a play and and USC has players like the the offense gives them a chance in every single game just like it did last year healthy Caleb Williams all right question 13 from Dave and TJ Riley recently said in an interview that uncomfortable conversations are the best way to move forward or close to that do you think he had the convo with Alex this morning what would be what would be your conversation with Alex uh, what would it sound like if you were talking to Alex? Hey, Dave, didn't I tell didn't I tell Dave and everybody else I don't want to talk about Alex Ranch? <laughs> Dave, you're 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 poking the bear. <laughs> no, I you know what? I'm sure that they've talked many times, and I'm sure that Alex Ranch probably says, "I know we're under a press. I'm trying what I can." Probably exchanging ideas. And remember, Lincoln Riley did say he was going to spend more time with the defense this season. So. Come to your own conclusions. 
Uh, all right, our last question. This is from uh, Big Daddy, still in Southern California, SoCal as he calls it. One can only nitpick with an offense that is easily uh, top three in the nation, if not number one. But with so many questions about the defense already on board, I thought I would go there. Has Riley addressed the underwhelming performance on third down, three of nine against Colorado, three of ten this week against, uh, or the week before against ASU, five of 13 against San Jose State, and ranked 34th in the nation are surprising numbers to me. Points and wins are what matters, but still, P.S., love your enthusiasm, Greg. Whenever I hear, hi, everybody, I know we're in for a treat. Uh, is the third down situation, guys, uh, really a reflective thing that is of concern going forward? I think it's more of a factor. USC is throwing the ball a lot and throwing downfield a lot. There are there are halves where USC doesn't have much in the way of third downs, right? When they do have third downs, it's because they threw the ball downfield twice and they have a third and ten. And it's tough to convert third and tens. If they were running the ball a lot and running it effectively, I think that percentage would shoot way up. This is this is what Lincoln Riley has to fight with his own coaching scheme. Is you've got Caleb Williams, you want to use him obviously, but at the same time, you've got to figure out how to incorporate him into the offense in the moment during the game. So, as I think I think it was Eric who said it early in the show, the point is win the game. And you can't just rely on your script. Sometimes you got to change it up. Make the adjustment in-game. All right. Going once, going twice. All right. A reminder again, if you have questions or comments for our panel, go to the WeRSC members message board. Click on the thread that pertains to Inside the Trojan Subtle viewers or listener questions. We really appreciate you sending in, whether it's just a comment or a question. And again, if you enjoyed Inside the Trojans Huddle, please click on the like and red subscriber buttons. We greatly appreciate your support. We And be sure to check out wrse.com and become a premium subscriber. That'll do it for this Tuesday's edition of Inside the Trojans Huddle. A reminder to watch Four Downs on Friday and Five Things on YouTube following Saturday night's Arizona game. So next till next Tuesday when we review the Arizona game, preview the big Notre Dame game and Weekender. Uh, present a new Big Ten uh, lightning round and all things USC football. A big thank you again to our great panelists, Mark Culkin, Eric McKinney, and Chris Arledge. And a special, special thank you to all of you for watching or listening to Inside the Trojans Huddle. Have a great week. Beat the Wildcats. And until next Tuesday, this is your moderator, Greg Katz, reminding you all to fight on, everybody. <laughs>